Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast where everyone's accepted, whether you're a rocker or a rapper. But if you're a country kid, get the fuck out of here. I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson. Grab your disc man, your concert shirts, and that backpack with all your favorite bands scribbled on it. We're talking the music that shaped us. All right. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, I am also doing great. Uh, this should be an interesting episode here. You know, we, uh, we've we been tackling a lot of specific topics about um, movies or video games or comic books. And, you know, it, this is something that's one of those more nebulous topics, you know, where we get to sort of meander through our lives. Yeah, that's true. This one was... Uh it's a bigger topic like doing music in general was way too big so uh we figured we would stick with uh, the you know talking about the a part in our lives where music was way more important than it is now yeah <laughs> you know around from the time we started loving it till we you know graduated high schoolish you know early 20s kind of getting out into the world and doing whatever yeah, because music now is, it's just a part of our world. But back then, like music was something, at least our generation, tied our entire identities to. I, I, I think it still is. Um, yeah. Like I've seen, you know, I still see kids with like, a, you know, their backpack or binder with, you know, all kinds of band names and shit scribbled all over it. You know, the, the, like that's the cool thing to do, man. Like you want everybody to know that you love Metallica and you're pretty good at writing their name with the little fucking things on either side of the M. Yeah, the, the, M little, and the, the little spikities yeah. and the, the long tails on the on the M and the A. <laughs> that's right. That's funny. I was I was just listening to Metallica a fair amount this week, and that that's something that I that I don't do as often. Certainly not as often as I did in high school. Advertising your musical preferences was. Uh, was incredibly important. <laughs> yeah. It was something that like you felt the need to do. And it was, you know, it was part of describing who you were to the world. Well, and that was something back in high school, especially, I think starting in junior high that like we alluded to in the intro, like when we were younger, there were two factions and they were diametrically opposed. Is that, is that the right word? Yeah, I think it is. Yep. I think I've heard people use that word before. That is true. <laughs> but there, there were, the rockers and the rappers. And I remember like just straight up, you would meet somebody and they'd say, are you a rocker or a rapper? Yeah. They just fucking call you out. You're like, you, you need to put yourself in a box right now, motherfucker. Cause I need to know whether or not I can be friends with you. Yeah. And that was so bizarre. Like I'm what I think back to that and I'm almost embarrassed for us and our peers back then that that would be like a term that we would use and a question that we would ask. Like what a what a bunch of weirdos our generation was. And it's such a limiting set of two boxes you could put yourself into. Like there was probably like, you know, the the one kid that was really into Bach that felt I can only imagine how out of place they felt. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> nobody nobody talked to them just just like the country kids. They had their their small little little separate faction. They had they had to just talk to their fucking cello that they had to lug around everywhere. <laughs> sort of how we grew up with video games maturing, like we also grew up with the whole hip hop and rap scene maturing. So you know, th in the seventies, there was a lot of classic rock, and like rock and roll was king. I imagine then it was like, you know, you like rock and roll, or are you one of those disco fuckers? 
Yeah. Because <laughs> like there's the rockers and there's the discoers. Like what do you call someone who's into disco? Discoite? Yeah. The dancers. Disco not. Definitely disco. <laughs> yeah, disco not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, growing up that that became such a such a line in the sand. You know, it was people who didn't like Guns N' Roses and Metallica and shit usually identified, you know, with your with your uh run DMC or <laughs> I don't I don't know the scene very well. You know, fucking Coolio Vanilla when we were Ice. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> Vanilla Ice <laughs> MC Hammer. Well, I mean, yeah, Dr. Dre and Snoop were around as well. Yeah. Tupac, Biggie. Yep. yep. They're much better than Vanilla Ice, those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and MC. <laughs> but boy, could those guys uh, write a catchy tune, even if they are stealing it from Queen. And wear some flashy pants. <laughs> yeah. Like, thinking back on it, too, like, there was some, like, some genre, some I guess subgenres of music that uh, I despised in high school that later on I, I came to find some value in like one of them being like pop punk, you know, stuff like uh, blink 182 and uh, I'm still not a big blink 182 fan, but uh, thank you. I thought I was going to have to start questioning our entire friendship. No, but just some of, uh, um, you know, no effects. Like I like some no effects has got some good stuff. I like no mm -hmm. effects. Like, and, but some of the, you know, the basically, I didn't like it because I didn't like the people that liked it. You know, the fruit booters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a term we can use anymore. <laughs> the jerk ass rollerblade kids, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. With their fucking K2s and their Bowers and their grind plates. Yep. Yeah. I didn't like those guys. They didn't like me. Uh, and so I didn't like their music. <laughs> See, I remember, I remember junior high being a big struggle to, to find an identity. And I know for a long time, I mean, I enjoyed rollerblading when I was younger and, and playing street hockey. And sure, I had I had grind plates. I had K2s and like I tried to fit in with those guys and it just it didn't work. I remember going out one time and like buying, let's see, Offspring Smash, Green Day Dookie. Um, fuck, I feel like there were there were a couple other big records at the time. That I just, you know, I felt like I had to own to fit in. And it just, it was not my scene. Your tips didn't look good frosted. Oh, do you remember when I actually did that? <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I frosted my tips. <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. But they, they were not very, they were not very white. They weren't super frosty. They were just kind of yellow. It's kind of urine-y. <laughs> um, so going back to the, to the earlier days, Ben, like, I know we've touched on it in a past episode, but like what got you into music in the early, early formative years? Oh, like when I was like a little kid? Yeah. Or what, what was your entry into music when you started developing taste? I mean, I think the, and I think we talked about it before. I think the first thing that I ever like really got passionate about was like parody music. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, I'd listened to stuff before that, you know, I clearly like music has always been around. There's like your dad's music in the car and then there's you know disney movie songs and stuff you hear those when you're a kid <laughs> did your parents listen to cool music or did you did your parents like my mom listened to y92 growing up that played a lot of like richard marks and michael bolton and shit oh no my parents listened to rad music man like my dad was like a big almond brothers and grateful dead fan uh, yeah pink floyd santana he had a badass record collection man he had probably had like actual re like vinyl records uh-huh so he probably had like 300 of the fucking things there's all kinds of cool ass stuff 
and it was just in the living room because it was like the entertainment center was like a record cabinet that like you'd slid the doors and you could pull the records out and you had the little record player there and then the TV sat on top of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he had these fucking big ass speakers probably from when he was 20 that were <laughs> that he had that we had until I was probably 10, 15 that were just up on the wall and they were hooked into the phonograph and uh like when I was a little kid he wouldn't let me touch the records cuz I would have fucked them up cuz that's what little kids do to things. Yeah, you probably just out of curiosity would have taken a lighter to one of them. Yeah, but the uh, by the time I got into like junior high, you know, I could I could put a record on if I wanted, and he had just loads of good stuff. So like I had a pretty good appreciation for a lot of classic rock um, when I was a kid because he listened to loads of good stuff. That's interesting because I I mean starting from when we were about ten or eleven years old, like I I was hanging out at your place, but I don't remember ever putting on vinyl records, and I didn't grow up with those, so I. It was kind of foreign to me. It just seemed like a, like an outdated thing. You know, I, I had cassettes. I was like, what the fuck do I need records for? Yeah. And I, he had them in a big cabinet. Like they were in the entertainment center. It was the bottom of the entertainment yeah. center. It was just completely chock full of records. That's wild. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. It wasn't until like just a few years ago when Angelina and I really got into the whole, the whole vinyl thing. It's, it's a pleasurable experience putting on a record. I, it is kind of annoying though, when you put one on before dinner and before like when you're in the middle of your meal you have to flip it Uh, because the side's not that long no i think most of them it's what like 20 minutes yeah probably like yeah 20 25 minutes yeah half an album so yeah i I grew up with a a, a hearing a lot of that and enjoying that yeah man you're lucky because i don't really remember my parents being into music at all like i i know what my what my parents tastes are now all these years later but when i was growing up they didn't really listen to a whole lot of music and it wasn't until you know high school where i started getting into that sort of stuff like the classic rock and stuff that that my parents listened to when they were kids and i i remember them going like wait what like why are you listening to this like this is my music and that was the first time i ever heard that they had any music you know like i said my mom just listened to that 90s soft rock trash did so wait did you say were they listening to like classic rock and stuff or like before you were born like were they cool before you were born yeah yeah i mean i was the fourth kid so they they lost all their cool on on my three sisters they were way out of cool by the time you came around yeah (laughs) so as time went on and we started getting into our junior high and high school years like what was the type of music that spoke to you and why Uh, essay question (laughs) uh i was a metalhead Fucking big time. Like, uh, the, 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 the aforementioned fruit booters would, you know, their slur for us was butt rockers. Yep. I remember the butt rocker thing. There's a lot of, uh, homophobia going around in our high school. (laughs) 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 Um, I was big into metal. Um, like in, I remember in junior high, uh, both our buddy Jared and I both had to do like a, you know, pick a poem and recite it in front of the class. And we both picked different white zombie songs. (laughs) <laughs> and i don't remember which song it was it was definitely off lost exorcisto but yeah like i was into that um i remember like the i remember in junior high is when i started getting into it and i heard white zombie for the first time and uh like white zombie and corn and a few other bands and just uh kind of went down that path i really enjoyed metal and uh it just got kept getting heavier and heavier and i still love that shit yeah you even went down the uh the path of like cannibal corpse oh yeah guar and shit yeah i remember i think it was freshman year of high school 
my buddy that lived up the street from me, Ryan, his brother, my like just walked up to me one day freshman year and like handed me a bag completely full of just wicked ass heavy metal albums. It had Cannibal Corpse and Slayer and and Morbid Angel and all kinds of shit in there. And he was like, here, I'm done with these. You can have them. And it was just like, a you know, opening the Ark of the Covenant and the light pouring out and melting my brain. And uh, it was fucking awesome. So like, I, it was the, like I had an instant awesome record collection, all of which had like little explicit tags on them and fucking gnarly ass album art that like, if I would have gone to Dimple, they wouldn't have sold that shit to me. Yeah. Parental advisory. The cover art for like Tomb of the Mutilated was one of the ones he gave me. You've seen the Cannibal Corpse cover art, right? Yeah. And, and you've got that one t-shirt too. That's pretty gnarly butchered at birth is probably the worst so butchered at birth is like two zombies standing there and they got all these dead babies hanging behind them and they're like butchering babies son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) and two of the mutilated is like a zombie lady like sprawled out like another zombie eating her pussy (laughs) like literally eating it (laughs) (laughs) they're just like i remember seeing that shit and just being like oh fuck yeah (laughs) this is awesome yeah, see, I remember, like, I, I started, like we spoke about before, like, I, I was a Weird Isle kid also, but I was really into Michael Jackson when I was younger, yeah. but I didn't really establish a uh, a musical identity until it was probably freshman year. Like, you guys were all going super into the metal side of things. I never got so far into it as, like, you know, Cannibal Corpse, and, like, Guar was entertaining, but I didn't listen to their music. I, I also remember you getting me, I think this is in junior high, getting me into a uh, green jello at yeah. the time and then green jelly. Like I still enjoy that, but that's because that shit is like metal, but like with the humor of uh, of a weird owl or something or, or something that could be played on Dr. Demento if they, if they played explicit stuff. Yeah. And their music videos were great too. Um, but I, I remember transitioning into all of that with like Metallica, especially like Metallica was a huge band for me. And like at first it was just black album because that that's what I knew growing up. You know, I had a buddy who had that album. So that was my introduction into it. And even at the time it was a load like that, that, that album came out right as I was starting to listen to that stuff. That was like, yeah, it was like sophomore year, maybe. Yeah, freshman or sophomore, because it was at the old high school. Yeah, I, I remember. Oh, no, it, be- it had to have been freshman year, because that was when I was super into Metallica. I remember being really disappointed when that album came out, because I was super excited for it at first, because uh, they hadn't put an album. I think like the Black Album came out like near a decade before that. Yeah, yeah, and they'd, they'd been touring on that for years. They did like over 300 shows for that. Yeah, and I, w- I was a huge fan of, you know, Ride the Lightning and Kill 'Em All and Master of Puppets mm-hmm. and shit. And so I was super excited. Like Metallica was like one of my favorite bands and like, fuck yeah, Metallica's coming out with a new album. This is going to be so fucking cool. And it was not that cool. (laughs) And you know, it was interesting. Like I didn't have the perspective that you guys had when it came out, because like I said, I had just started getting into them and I remember listening to kill them all and it being too, too speed and thrash metal-y for me. Like I didn't like that. My favorite Metallica album to this day is ride the lightning. I love that album so much um the first song i ever played on drums was for whom the bell tolls yeah or the first song i learned i think ride the lightning is also my favorite yeah it's that is awesome such album. a fucking great album that's where i start and then i go to master after that when i when i do a little metallica dive on on google play but they i think it's safe to say that my freshman year in high school they were my favorite band 
And they were the first band that I started buying t-shirts for. And I remember the first t-shirt I bought was one that was uh, from, it it was tied with the load album. And I remember everyone giving me shit because it didn't have like (laughs) the super spiky M and a, like they had done a different Metallica branding logo. And it was like a shot of like them walking down the street, kind of blurry and uh oh big yeah. mistake dude uh-huh and I, I remember when i went and got my first two uh metallica t-shirts at uh what was that place called was it international imports oh yeah I think it was called yeah where yeah. you could go and get like the stoner posters and incense and band t-shirts yeah this was pre hot topic craze yeah and that was wild. I remember I, I got the Damage Incorporated t-shirt. That was my favorite one with those uh, those pus head uh, illustrations with the skulls and shit. Yeah. Um, in fact, that was the day my dog died. Because <laughs> I was coming oh. home from getting those shirts and my mom dropped me off at Preston's house. And I was all excited because I got to show him. And his sister walked up crying and said, Heidi died. So Bittersweet memories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember that dog. Cheese? Yeah. Cheese? That dog got so excited when you said cheese. She loved her craft singles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, like corn was, I I had totally forgotten about corn until you brought that up. Like I remember going to Dimple Records because it was right across the street from our high school and we had open campus lunches. So we could just go and walk over there and, and comics and comics was right next to it. And, uh, you could listen to used CDs for free. I bet they hated our fucking guts. Imagine it was bittersweet for them when the high school went to closed lunches. Cause it was cool. It was like every lunch we could walk across the street. There was places to eat. There was a comic shop and a fucking record store right there. And, uh, we were probably a pain in the ass, but I imagine they made some money off of us. Like I think Cheezer's pizza went out of business after that because, uh, yeah. You know, they relied on a bunch of kids coming in, buying fucking $4 slices of pizza every lunch. Yeah, and breadsticks and that ranch. Yeah. Yeah, we had Cheezers and Ciro's there. Ciro's is still in business, but they moved. Well, yeah, they didn't. I mean, there's no reason to be there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I remember in junior high was when I first heard Corn, and uh, their first album fucking blew my mind. Um, I fucking loved that album. And then the ones after that kind of didn't live up to it. As is so common. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, bands always want to like grow and change. What a bunch of jerks. What were the big songs that Korn had? Like, I remember, I remember Adidas, but, but that wasn't like their big, big song. What was their huge song? Oh, what was it called? Um, oh, it was, was the it one Freak that on a Leash? That was, I think that was for the, from their next album. The big one oh, on okay. their first album was that one that, you know, I, fuck, I can't even remember what the rest of the song sounded like, but it like starts out with, with like the the little bit of guitar and the guy tapping the cymbal and he goes like, are you ready? But, uh, yeah, I remember that shit. Fuck. I love that shit when I was a kid. I remember we went to, was it a a tower records or maybe anyway, a record store where corn was to get shit autographed when we were like 15. Yeah. What the fuck is a record store these days? Yeah. Right. And uh, they were all sitting out front, like we went over, and I, I still have like a poster signed by them. And the other day, I just found actually yesterday, we were, my, my daughter was going through some of my, Annie's old stuff to see like what fit her. She was like shopping in my wife's closet, and um, and one of the things she found was a uh, a bra from a fifteen year old Annie that Corn had signed. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, in to their credit, they asked her to remove it first. <laughs> 
I, I don't know if that sounds any better. Well, I mean, they didn't say like, it, like you know, like, you know, wasn't like, show us your tits. It was like, uh, she was like, well, you saw my bra and like lifted her shirt up and they were like, um, not on you. Ah, yeah. <laughs> like they weren't about to, you know, put hands on a 15 year old girl's breasts. So good on that. That's the, that's the right way to say it too. Instead of like, take off your bra, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I only signed boobs. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, there was there was so much music that I mean, I guess you you seem to have a much more clearly defined palette at an earlier age than I did. Like uh, like I was talking about earlier buying those those uh those pop punk albums that were just popular music. I mean, I enjoyed The Offspring back then, but um you know, stuff like Rage Against the Machine was so huge. I yeah. remember uh, buying some of their stuff, but not being super into it. But it was just really uh, wanting to fit in and to know what people were talking about. Yeah, I definitely solidified, well, not solidified, but like started making music part of my identity, I guess. And like, you know, becoming a proper fan in junior high, for sure. Yeah. Was when I really started... uh writing band names on everything and like really getting passionate about music i remember the first time i did that in again in freshman year in high school like i wrote band names in whiteout all over my black backpack and i remember our buddy sean custer calling me out because he was reading the names on my backpack and he was all rage against the maghine apparently i wasn't paying attention and i put a g instead of a c on on machine and you know back then like like we've been saying like your identity is so tied to it that like i was mortified like i i felt like a fraud well especially because it sounds like you really weren't that big of a fan of them to start with you, <laughs> no, were, you a fraud. were a fraud <laughs> <laughs> i was being <laughs> properly called out but i mean even even so back then like people held on to their their uh their musical loves with such a vicious uh clenching fist like a kung fu grip because if somebody was wearing a t-shirt from a band that you didn't think they were into all of a sudden like they were a fucking poser oh, yeah. and you're just gonna straight up call them out like do you even have an album that's not a greatest hits like that was the worst thing in the world was wearing a t-shirt when all you have is the greatest hits especially like the older punk rock kids yeah once that stuff started trickling into these these other kids who are listening to I don't know, even by, by that, by that point, it could have been like backstreet boys and shit. You know, they're like, wait, all of a sudden these kids are wearing our punk rock t-shirts. It's probably the same as, you know, when I started seeing queen and Metallica shirts or pink Floyd shirts at target, you're like, wait, what is going on here? Yeah. I remember like when I was a freshman or so no, yeah, it was either freshman or sophomore. Cause it was at the old high school, uh, with some of like the older, the older punk rock kids, like quizzing me. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, oh yeah, what's your favorite album? <laughs> Shit. And like, you know, having to uh prove your worth as a fan because otherwise, yeah. otherwise uh you were a poser. Yeah. And I you know, that that was probably about the same age too that we started playing music. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we all we all I think at some point had guitars. Um I think the summer after freshman year I switched to the drums. Yeah, I think it was yeah, it was freshman year, I think, when I started playing guitar. Yeah, because that that was the natural extension of being a rocker back then, was you started playing and you started a band. Yeah. You know, and with us, it was, it was far too early for us to oh, be yeah. 
playing playing in a band. They're terrible high school bands. Holy shit. Yeah. And, and usually you don't actually ever go out and play anywhere. Like it's just no. you get together with your buddies and you make some terrible loud noises and uh, you feel cool about it. Yeah, I remember the the technically the first the first band I was in was with our buddies Zach and Jared and Brandon Ruchelelli. And all we started with was just doing Misfits and Sex Pistols covers. Because they're easy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've probably still played the the song Some Kind of Hate more times than any other song in my life. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. I remember those days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, when you were jamming with them, I was jamming with... Uh, with uh, like like Bo and Tony and uh, Ryan and a few other people. And mostly what our jamming involved was going into my parents' pool house, smoking a ton of weed and um, turning the recorder on and, and just making weird noises. Because Bo was a phenomenal guitarist. Like the guy was fucking super capable and very talented. And he kind of carried the rest of our asses. But it would generally be us, you know, getting drunk and doing drugs and screaming weird things into a microphone and it was very avant-garde and and messy and i still have a a uh cassette tape of our first album somewhere around here i gotta look up i remember listening to some of that stuff once and it just being tough yeah oh i'm sure it's very (laughs) tough yes (laughs) yeah because that that's that wasn't where i came from like like you know we were we wanted to play loud and fast and like i don't think we we ever smoked pot back in those days or at least not during the day those were in the early days when you'd have to wait for zach's dad to start snoring (laughs) the loudest snores in the world that and and then head out to the side yard and uh, you know split a bowl that that gets four people high and then eating frozen burritos and shit so we we i think we were sober when we were playing the music but that 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 band that first band was called scuff I, w- I wasn't a part in uh, in naming that. I think Zach and Jared saw like some like shoe polish or something. And they're like, yeah, scuff. And they spelled it with a K. Of course. Got to be edgy. Yeah. And, you know, that was that was the genesis of that name there. And count on my parents, my Mormon parents to see a T-shirt that I'd written because we all made our own custom T-shirts. You know, like we, we did like a stylized spelling of uh, or not spelling, but like uh, font, I guess, of uh, for scuff. And my mom looks at that and she's like, do you know what that spells backwards? I was like, oh, oh, I, <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. And neither had anyone else. Like, It also doesn't spell it correctly backwards. Yeah, it's fucks. F-F-U-K-S, you know, fucks. Yeah, but I, I love that my mom came up with that and none of us ever did. You should have just played dumb to see if you could get your mom to say fucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what? I'm not I'm not good with uh with backwards spelling. I remember uh my parents would would uh let me load up my drum set in their minivan and they'd take me over there. We'd go there like every Saturday and just jam for several hours. I remember one time my parents were out of town and my sister was charged with taking me there and my sister was my oldest sister was very overbearing. She loved to be in charge. And to threaten to take things away or not even just threaten, just, you know, say you can't have a friend over. You can't do this. And I had dug up like a Batman T-shirt that I that I had had when I was like three years old and I put it on. You know, it, it did not cover my entire torso and it was super, <laughs> super tight. I was a skinny kid back then and I was wearing it. And my sister was like, no, 
you are not wearing that there. And I had to, I had to like sneak it out of the car because she like held onto it in the car. And when she wasn't looking, I grabbed it and she straight up like came back like a half hour later, like, give me that shirt. (laughs) Oh, jamming. Sorry. I, I digressed. This is, this is a lot of fun because I don't, I don't often think back to these high school memories, you know, like we, there may be a time once or twice a year where we recollect something from a certain point in our, in our life, but this is some good concentrated, you know, yeah. Reminiscence. Did you guys ever record anything as scuff? I know we tried, but we always had PA problems. And, you know, like I said, we had like four songs that we that we'd play. Um, but I know there is a video that exists somewhere where Jared um took the songs that we would that we would jam. He did, I think it was just some kind of hate and anarchy in the UK and rewrote lyrics to for like some like health class project or something or maybe it was <laughs> no it wasn't econ awesome. so we jammed those and he sang his own lyrics and it was really hard to hear i remember watching the videotape afterwards and like you couldn't even tell what he was saying but <laughs> yeah so that does exist awesome oh man i need to i need to find that i'm sure zach doesn't have any of that no no i did some outrageous fucking projects video projects in high school that i wish i had copies of that probably don't exist anymore i can't imagine the teacher hung on to them yeah i wonder if we got those wheel of misfortunes from uh from junior high i think your mom said she's got those i've got a bunch of tapes yeah that uh i have no way to play we need a vcr that uh, I, I think I, I just threw one out i'm pretty sure there's like the you know the weird videos we used to make, you know, the one where uh, there was something about with a corn dog and then Kyle humping a tree out in my front yard. He was, was like, I there? I don't know. He, uh, there was, we made some video yeah, where he was like a tree humper and like he was uh, like in our front yard with his pants down humping a tree. And my dad came out and was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Oh boy. <laughs> so I have those tapes somewhere. <laughs> well, speaking of our friend Kyle, you know, he was somebody who came into our group sophomore year in high school and he definitely had some some different tastes that that none of our friends had at that point in time like he was he definitely came from the more like industrial side so he he introduced me to like KMFDM and like Front 242 and um Sisters of Mercy and shit like I I I mean I never became big fans of them I I really liked me some uh, some KMFDM but I didn't get into the other ones but I just never heard of them yeah, no, he, I remember when he showed up because he had like a purple hair and like a safety vest with a bunch of shit all over it. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, cause our group of friends was generally the, you know, the, the other people, I guess. The, we were, we were the misfits. We were the outcasts. Yeah. Like we weren't the popular kids. And so like, yeah. They, it had, you know, the metalheads and the fucking nerds and, and the punk rockers. The punk, yeah. The punk kids and the goths and Kyle. He was in a, he was like kind of his own thing. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was something that, um, like looking back, I don't even really get it either, but like I was so far into the whole metal scene, you know, like I had like the cutoffs with doc Martens and fucking chains and spike bracelets and shit and, you know, growing my hair out all along wearing suspenders, you know, like it was, I was, I was very much a part of that, but sometime over the summer between freshman and sophomore year, like my tastes just changed and like all of a sudden i i started letting one of my sisters like dress me because i was i started getting into her music a lot which was a lot more like 
Depeche Mode and The Cure and The Smiths and Morrissey. And I, I just fell in love with that scene. Yeah, you got all mod and shit. Like you had like yeah. tight pants and black shirts. And uh, yeah. Slick I, I, hair. And, and, and that was that was a time in my life where I certainly had a sense of style. And, you know, I'm sure to a lot of outsiders, they probably thought that I that I was gay. I mean, I, I know I know from the comments I got from, <laughs> from <almost laughs> a fair number of people that that was the case. But I mean, I had never I had I've still to this day, I've never been so successful with <laughs> with girls as that point in, in my life. But you know, I've, I've I've often wondered what it was like from the outside to see somebody who like the last time you saw them, they were one thing. And the next time you saw them, they were another like I'm sure I probably got a fair amount of judgment for being a poser but yeah, but that's high school man like tastes change and things shift and you know you're everyone's growing and learning like that that i don't think that was uncommon to occur yeah i, I bet a lot yeah. of people were like all right good john's done being a poser because <laughs> it wasn't like you know, there was like a big depeche mode scene at the school and to a degree that that wasn't inaccurate because you know as much as i loved metallica and white zombie there was a lot more music that I that I took part in that I was not as into. So once I found all that stuff, and that was something that I had in common with Kyle. Kyle was a huge fan of of those same bands, Depeche Mode, The yeah. Cure, and like it, it sort of made it okay to have a friend in the group who was into all that stuff. Yeah, I remember you guys listening to Morrissey and me thinking, "What the fuck are we listening to? <laughs> <laughs> who is this sad Kermit the Frog sounding motherfucker?" <laughs> You know, and that, that was so much fun finding that stuff because all of a sudden you had, I don't know, it was, it was just so polar opposite from, from what we had before. Cause so much of the metal for me at the time, especially was just a lot of, a lot of loud noise and a lot of yelling. And then all of a sudden you get into this music where like people are being pretty emotional, not in an angry way. And, you know, there, there's a lot more uh, melodic tones and like with Depeche Mode, with everything being electronic and, you know, having vocal harmonies and, and singing about girls, you know, just like just like the Beatles did, you know, like every other song was about, oh, girl, this and that and the other clever rhyme. Oh, girl. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a sense of style, like I had one, too, and I think it could be most succinctly described as a uh, hobo. Yeah. My mom hated the way I dressed. I looked like a f fucking guy. I looked like I climbed out of a dumpster or some shit. It was ridiculous. It's true. Yeah. You loved your, uh, your scrub pants or plaid pants or striped pants. My favorite pair of jeans had like rips all the way up the side and like the a big hole in the crotch that I like safety pinned fucking tie dye fabric <laughs> to fill it. And I remember you had a pair of pants where like, the hole was so big in the middle. I, I think like the pant leg was only attached with like a thin, like, like the, the inside seam and then safety pins all around the rest of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I think with that pair of pants, I had to wear like some sort of long johns or something underneath it. Cause otherwise like in the winter, it was way too cold. Cause it was like, <laughs> like the pants didn't fucking exist. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and like, you know, ladies bathrobes that I found somewhere and <laughs> you know, that's just weird ass <laughs> shit, man. I don't know what the fuck I was doing, but, uh, embarrassing my mom. That's what I was doing anytime yeah. I went somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Long hair that I never combed. Oh yeah. Like, like a fucking. Yeah. That, that rat's nest in the back of your head. Oh yeah. Like I, I remember like even more so than me getting picked on for 
for having style and, and people thinking I was gay, like people loved to pick on you because, you know, you were so far out there. Like, like there were a lot of butt rockers, but a lot, a lot of us were, were clean, but I rocked the most, butt. yeah, like you, you seemed probably to them, like you had a big target painted on your back because you were, you exemplified what they hated about us more than anyone else. Yeah. And I generally didn't give a shit. Yeah. Yes. Was the other thing exactly. I think that pissed them off was that I was fine with it and I didn't really care that uh, yeah. it upset them. I wasn't <laughs> looking for their validation. <laughs> yeah. Now, just stepping back a little bit to uh, to high school bands we were in, because you, you were talking about our buddy Bo yeah. and his brilliance. I was in a band with like he he uh, he and Zach Jarvanen. Do you remember that guy? He was a yeah. year older than us. Um, that I was in a band with them. That was the first like serious quote unquote band that I was in, uh, you know, where we actually played some shows and stuff. Well, I guess we only played a few shows. We played at a coffee shop up in Placerville. And then I remember one time we were going to play at the well that, that, uh, it wasn't the skate store, but it was when it was like the community center across the street from the high school. And then all of a sudden they had like double booked. So we couldn't get in. So we just went in and plugged in at the, uh, at the senior stage at the high school across the street. And then crowds came from over there to watch us and then we got shut down and i remember we were going to play somewhere else one time and that got shut down so we uh so we went and plugged in on the outdoor patio of willie's burgers after they were closed oh yeah i remember that yeah cops got called on us then and threatened to to charge us with theft of electricity (laughs) electricity theft you know i i want to echo your sentiment of bo's genius like that guy to this day is probably one of my probably still my favorite person to jam with because like you guys did back in the day, we just smoke a shit ton of pot and just sit there. Well, like we just start somewhere and just meander. You do like a 25 minute jam that goes wherever you're feeling. And somehow he always knew to change with the feel. And that was something that I that I did, too, when I when I played like you play emotionally there's no structure to it. You just go where you're feeling like going. And, you know, I, he, he knew when to rise with you and knew when to bring it down. Yeah. yeah. And that, 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 that is my favorite part of jamming. And that's been, been some of the hard things about being in bands when you don't have that sort of connection or that feel. Yeah, You don't got any synergy with the guys where, yeah, that you don't feel what they're doing and they don't respond to what you're doing. They're kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Bo was very, uh, he was a very generous jammer yeah <laughs> like he he would he'd kind of know where you were going and 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 indulge you and he was humble too like i would i would always like when i was done just talk about how much fucking fun i had and how awesome it was but he he never reveled in it outwardly yeah but i, I remember a couple times i went out with him and this dude uh the band was called sacramento and the pumpkin seeds he was in two different bands and he was this he was, he's a cool dude he's a good guitarist but uh, he was just singing for these. And basically we had, you know, Bo had like a snare drum and that was it. And I had a guitar with a little amp and the guy had a little, had a microphone and we just went downtown and we would just like pop out in front of like a, a cafe or a line of people or the bushes and fucking <laughs> and just, just scream and play, you know, nonsense music, you know, completely off the cuff for like five minutes and then, then run off. 
And <laughs> it was really fun. Like we'd spend, you know, three hours of the night just running around town, jumping out at people and playing loud music and then leaving. It was fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what I was doing at that point in time. Cause I remember hearing stories about you guys doing that, but I never experienced any of it. Like I've, I've got a memory of being separate. I wonder if that was when I was being a good Mormon. Maybe. Yeah. Cause we would, yeah, we'd jam, we'd like, we'd play a song and then we'd find some bushes and like take shots of, you know, plastic bottle rum Peppermint schnapps. Yeah, then jump out and do the next thing. It was fucking, uh, it was a lot of fun. Didn't, I? for some reason, I have a memory that didn't somebody like use a washboard sometimes? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, we had one. I feel I feel like there was a washboard. I think he did like, he had, he had a washboard and would sing. Um, He only had the washboard once when I played with him, but I think like they kind of had just like a rotating cast of people to be like, yo, what are you doing tonight? You want to go like gorilla jam? <laughs> like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it was cool. That would have been fun. Yeah, it was a blast. I found my CD case from that era. Like it kind of ran into like, you know, my mid twenties probably when I stopped using CDs, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, it, uh, I had a pretty eclectic taste. Like it wasn't all just metal. I had a lot of classic rock in there and, um, I had a Wagner CD in there. I forgot. I remember buying that when I was like 18. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. The the ring of the Nibelung. I had procured a lot of CDs in a less than um, legit manner, let's say. You jacked CDs. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, well, okay, I did steal a lot of CDs as well, like from stores. But um, the my, the biggest and most lucrative hustle that I found when I was like 15, maybe even younger than that, was a good old Columbia House. Do you remember Columbia House? Oh, yeah. I remember their advertisements. Yeah, they'd have those ads be like, 20 CDs for a penny. Mm-hmm. And like basically the, the gig was like, you'd send them a penny and you'd pick 20 CDs and they'd send them to you. And you agreed to buy, you know, a CD a month for the next year, essentially. Yeah. And, um, and so like, I, I figured out like, wait, I can fill this out. And like, I'd heard somewhere like it's, it's technically illegal for a company to enter into a contract with a minor. So like I would do it and then I just wouldn't do it. And, uh, and they'd send letters to me and be like, Hey, why aren't you buying CDs? Mm-hmm. And then I and then I just call their line and be like, "Yeah, I'm a kid. I fucked up. Sorry." And they'd get mad. And uh, I think I did that like three or four times, <laughs> <laughs> and ended up with a pretty wicked CD collection. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, and it was cool because it you know it I knew it wouldn't cost me anything essentially, so I was able to kind of pick random stuff that you know like I don't know what is this? This looks interesting. And I remember that was like, I got like a, uh, a, a, like a funk compilation. And, uh, when, that's when I realized like, I really loved funk music. Yeah. I absolutely loved that shit. It just had a solid groove to it. Yeah. You got me into funk. Like I, I had never, I had never, you know, of course I heard it on the periphery or wherever it would pop up in a movie or something, but you were the one that really got me into funk. And I remember going to that George Clinton in parliament funkadelic uh show yeah. at the radisson that one time like that was transformative that was so fun yeah like i had never seen like actual pimps in <laughs> in real life like like with the with the red or purple crushed velvet suits and the canes and fucking chicks hanging on them like it, it was a real thing wasn't uh wasn't bootsy playing in a diaper at that show yes he was i remember him like like hopping around back and forth all all wonky just in a, in a diaper <laughs> yeah that was fun as fuck yeah i mean and there's another aspect of our high school music career like going to shows 
Oh man, yeah, that's I definitely fell in love with live music in high school, and it was like my main drive was to go see every band I loved live. Yeah, and get a T-shirt. Like I was on a thing where like I would buy a T-shirt at every concert I went to. Like I'd save money to make sure I could get a T-shirt. It wasn't too, like they were only like ten to fifteen bucks back then. Fucking now you go to a concert like fifty bucks for a damn yeah. shirt, and like no, nah, I don't know. I don't think I need one that bad. Yeah, that's why I didn't get one at ELO. But like concert t-shirts were like your fucking, my wardrobe. That was, you know, it was like, hey, see this? I went to that concert. That's yeah, what was cool. that shirt you had? I think it was a concert t-shirt, maybe. The one that said fuck it all on the back. It was a green t-shirt. Yeah, it was Machine Head. Yeah. I remember you wearing that to school and them making you turn, turn it, it inside, inside out. out. Yep. They were not happy with the back of my shirt. I had, yeah. a, I had a number of shirts they made me turn inside out. Yeah, the, the Mr. Bungle shirt. <laughs> that one took a while because they did, you know, it was, it was not super obvious what was going on with it, that there was like, why all, don't you describe it to the, uh, to the listeners? Cause this is, this is a classic shirt. Uh, it was a cool shirt. So on, on the, like the main picture of the shirt was like an old, like woodcut from, you know, when woodcuts were a thing, I don't know when, but it was basically of like a guy strung up by his ankles and like two dudes like sawing him in half. But it wasn't yep. like super graphic because it was a fucking woodcut. Yeah, just very simple line art. Yeah, and then on one shoulder it had uh, like a dude that was impaled, and on the other shoulder it had like like some Indian dude cross-legged with his dick out, like masturbating. <laughs> 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 and that's the one that they made, they made me turn it around. But like it took a while because it's just this little picture on the shoulder, and like until you get close, you don't realize that it's a dude holding his dick. <laughs> <laughs> and unlike the other ones, it was like an actual like printed photograph of a dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that is why you were the uh, were the the. See, I don't want to say mascot because that sounds demeaning, but that, that's why you were like the face of why people hated us us butt rock kids. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember the. I think the first show I went to at that at that point in time was a '98 rock jamboree. Oh yeah, and I remember there was a band there called Soak that uh, that thought they were cooler than they were, but but it was awesome. He did like a stage dive from like thirty feet up, like on the rafters. I I was actually pretty frightened for him. I'd be frightened I, for I, the people he's gonna land on. Yeah, I mean maybe it wasn't thirty feet high. That's that's pro- I don't know. It was it was probably at least twenty feet high. Ouch. Yeah, that's a lot of faith in your crowd, dude. Yeah, I think. Th- did you go to that with Annie? Probably. Yeah, I think I was camping with Boy Scouts when you guys went to that. Nerd. And I was really disappointed that I didn't get to go to it. Who else was playing? There was someone that was playing there that I really wanted to see. See, Gravity Kills was there. Yes, that is exactly who it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that that was a good show. The dude had his fucking keyboard on like this uh I don't know if I don't know, I don't know if gimbal's the right word, but it was just like this uh this ball that he could like spin and twist in every direction and go like up and down and shit and forward and back. It was it was wild. I, I was awesome. surprised he didn't just like lose control of it. You know, that it was weird that he was still playing it. Yeah. The, uh, the first, the first concert I ever went to was Van Halen. Or, oh you know, shit. It was Van Hagar technically. I mean, like it was, af- you know, obviously after Sammy Hagar had taken the reins. Yeah. Was that on that? Like, uh, the Siamese twin, no, whatever the, the balance tour. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All that with the seesaw. Yeah. I don't know. I've, uh, on their cover art. Yes, I think yeah, I think that was the one with the Siamese twins on the seesaw. The concert yeah. show had like a clown on like a on like a high wire. Oh shit! I still have it somewhere. 
but uh, that was fucking cool. Like I went, you know, that, I went with my parents to that one and uh, we were like up at the balcony and like, it was, it was just neat. I'd never been to a big concert before. And then the next one I went to, they just dropped us off. It was, uh, it was Metallica. Was that with, with white zombie? Cause they, they did that tour at Arco arena and I didn't go no, to that I, show. I, I, I never got to see white zombie, so I don't think so. I don't oh, remember. So who then was it Metallica and corn? Cause I know they did a tour with them too. Very possibly. Cause I've, I've seen them a couple times. Um, but I remember it was Metallica and I was super excited and it was the first mosh pit I ever went in and, uh, it was super fun. I, you know, I bought my concert shirt. It was the King nothing shirt and like went out there and was in the mosh pit and was having a good time slipped. And like got a bunch of stuff all over me and then realized later, yeah, it was totally vomit. It was beer vomit. (laughs) 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 But I didn't care because it was so fun. Uh, Mosh pits were like what I went to concerts for in high school. I fucking, I still love them now, but I'm kind of old and, and uh, don't have the stamina to fucking hang out in a circle for very long anymore. Yeah, you guys would would you guys love those mosh pits and more often than not like you guys came out fucked up. Oh yeah. Like, like oh, yeah. the battle damage that you guys sustained was ridiculous. So like I sort of I saw that and I was like, "Wait a minute, like I don't get it." So I'm I'm going to stay. I didn't go in many pits. Oh, it's so funny. It's just the the you know, the group camaraderie and the you know, the aggression that, you know, like everyone's accepting of it, you know, like you knock someone down or get a big hit and, you know, it, they'll help you back up. But Sacramento had some rough pits. Like, like it was aggressive. Like, I remember in at a Pantera show, I cracked a rib. Oh, shit. In, uh, and it stayed cracked because I kept going to concerts and kept going in the pit for like a year and a half. <laughs> and I couldn't jump on the trampoline at Annie's house because it would fucking hurt. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about it. Just going around and shoving fucking people and having a good time and everyone's smiling you know like you, you there's there's always that one asshole in there that who's really there to hurt somebody and you know fuck that guy usually the crowd doesn't have a lot of tolerance for that asshole but uh generally it's a, just a good time you know you can get you, you stage dive and crowd surf and shit do you ever do any of that i don't think so oh. I, don't, I don't i i feel like i've crowd surfed once but not but i've never i've never dived off a stage because I, I remember that one time, you know, it was in our 20s when you and Kyle took me to Andrew WK and everyone was getting up oh, on the stage yeah. and jumping off like it was a fucking party like you would expect from an Andrew WK show. But I I could not do it. I, I couldn't get up there. I was too big. You know, I was six foot four. And at that point in time, probably like 240, 250. And, and I just didn't trust that people were going to catch me. I'd seen too many movies where like the one guy gets up there and goes to stage dive and everyone just moves out of the way. I've seen people do that on, on purpose. You know, like there's the one dude, cause, cause like people get up and they're crowd surfing and usually you can just, you know, you're just supposed to go with it, but you get that one dude every once in a while that decides it's a great idea to fucking kick and flail while he's crowd surfing and he's just kicking people in the head and fucking people just, you know, they'll end up dropping him. And I've seen that dude get up on stage before and jump and everyone's just like, Nope. like fuck you you just kicked me in the head five minutes ago i'm not gonna catch your ass (laughs) yeah see knowing my luck for whatever reason people would just decide they didn't want to catch me yeah with my current girth i don't think i would stage dive just because i'm I'm a little heavy for it but uh yeah just out of courtesy to my my fellow mosh (laughs) pateers but no I, i just when i went and saw mr bungle like a few months ago i spent the whole time in the pit and it was fucking super fun See, I remember seeing Metallica too in high school, and that was at the State Fair. Did you see them that time oh, at the outdoor it, concert? They played with uh, Jerry Cantrell and Days of the New. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw them through the haze of fucking dust because it was in a dry-ass parking lot. Yeah. God, it was miserable. Oh, that, see, I, I, I've got really good memories of that show. I did lose a wallet chain because they made you take it off when you entered. But that was a great show. Jerry Cantrell, you know, doing yeah. a bunch of Alice in Chains stuff. Like, the, I, you know, there's, there's another band that was fucking, like, great, even though it was never, you know, like top of the backpack you know but but fucking alice and chains like they had some great tunes i loved me some alice and i never got to see them though yeah yeah i think yeah how young were we when uh when what's his what was his name was that was that lane staley or was that from a different group? yeah i think it's lane staley that sounds okay. right to me lane staley was in something whether he whether it was alice in chains or blind melon i don't remember no i think it was alice in chains okay but i think yeah we were like maybe freshmen oh shit yeah died. Yeah, Jerry Cantrell had somebody singing the other parts there so so he could still do harmonies and it sounded great. It was it sounded just like the real thing. Did, did you did you go to very many like little shows? Like in like did you go to like Bojangles and some of the smaller clubs and stuff? I had never been to Bojangles. Uh that was the one in Roseville, right? No, it was off of uh Power Inn. In okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I did I did go to a couple shows at Bojangles. Whatever the one was out in Roseville, I did not go to. I don't remember what that place was called. I saw a ton of great shows. Though. I, 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 to this day, I, st- I think some of my favorite shows were in small clubs like that, where you've got, you know, maybe 300 people and uh, you could get them in there. And and like those are like where you could get right up to the stage. You could get on the stage. Uh, you know, you could you're close. There is no bad place to be in, in, in a show like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and then once we got out of high school, like the boardwalk had had some. Yeah. Some decent size acts coming through there, even though it's a bar. Well, that's the cool thing. Like after they're, they're kind of when they're not selling out larger events anymore, like you still go see some people and at these places or see them before they're out. Like I remember I went to see clutch once at Bojangles and system of a down was opening for him. Oh shit. And I'd never heard of them before. And uh, like after the show, I like went up to the dude and I was like, yo, do you guys have any CDs? I want to buy a CD. That was fucking great. And he was like, oh, it's not out yet, man. I'm like, oh, Okay. Those guys fucking hit it big. Like they got signed on America Records, and before their record came out, they were on world tour opening for Slayer, and this was one of their in between shows. Oh shit! Like Slayer played in San Francisco and was playing somewhere else, and they were hitting Sacramento on their way through. And uh, so those guys got fucking lucky. <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember who I saw at Bojangles. I think I only went there like twice. Oh, I went there all. I was there as much as I could possibly be. There was so many good shows I saw there. Yeah, I didn't go to nearly as many shows as everybody else. Like I enjoyed them when I went, but I didn't uh I didn't have the pull as much as everyone else. I remember going to a Battle of the Bands in Roseville at Royer Park and Papa Roach won that Battle of the Bands. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they play at our high school? Did they? At the new high school? Oh shit, I don't know. I think they played at lunch there one day. Oh, awesome. Yeah, cuz we definitely that 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 was a weird thing to have, you know, like adult bands coming and playing at our high school during lunchtime. Like we had that band Simon Says, yeah, that came through several times. Like I I don't I don't know if they ever ended up ended up hitting it big at all, but I know they had a song on like the Varsity Blues soundtrack. Did they really? That they were all stoked about. Yeah, and their their drummer uh, taught drums at the same place that I took lessons in like the booth next door. So I'd, I'd always chat with them there and it'd be cool. Like I remember one time they let me, 
hang out with them after lunch and like say that I was working the merch table so I could uh, so I wouldn't get in trouble. <laughs> or I think I, I stayed for like a second lunch rather than going to class. Nice. Yeah. They had their jumps down. They had those timed jumps. Yeah. That they probably worked really hard on stage presence, man. It's <laughs> yeah. I used to love going to just little, you know, if there was some little show going on, I didn't know who it was like, whatever, I'll go fucking have fun. Like I just liked live music. I remember when, when we, uh, when we were getting older, uh, you know, junior, senior year, and we were just massive dickheads to everyone. Like we, I mean, looking back, we, we possibly could have been bullies, but at least it was usually to assholes or adults. Oh, we were but definitely remember... assholes to adults. We were disrespectful little shits. <laughs> oh, that's how I got the PE teacher to punch me. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember there was a band um, out in the quad there or like out, out kind of by the gym in the cafeteria. And I remember that that was when we started doing our play Freebird. And I think I think one of them even just said like, hey, fuck you guys or something like that. And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> we got the 20 year old that's on a high school campus to yell obscenities <laughs> at us. This is great. Well, cool, man. Uh, you want to take a break? No, I'm having too much fun. Hey, this is Jeff. And I'm Chris. We've been friends. Acquaintances. No, friends. Shipmates. Dude, come on. We've been friends. Fine. Sure. Whatever. We've been friends for 23? No, 24. Whatever, dude. It's been a long time. No kidding. We host a show called Round and Round. We discuss the worst. And sometimes the best. Headlines we can find. Watch for signs of the Cold War heating up again. And desperately try to find some good news to celebrate. Occasionally, we delve into important topics impacting the world, the nation, or those around us. And every once in a while, we take a break from the real world to talk about new movies or to revisit and reimagine old movies we love. Find us at rnrthepodcast.com. Tweet us at rnrthepodcast and download Round and Round on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you cast your pods. Join us every Wednesday, won't you? I wouldn't recommend it. That's fine. Ah, welcome back, Ben. Welcome back, John. Thank you for welcoming me. I welcome your welcome wholeheartedly into my life. It was only a half-hearted welcome. <laughs> um, so, as always, let's get into some structure. I hear that's good for kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you tried with your kid, but he he's, he's now getting that fucking structure. Oh, yeah. He didn't appreciate it before. Talking about first impressions. So what are we looking for here? Are we looking for our first impression for, you know, music that we bought or I don't know. It's kind of hard because like it's music. It's always been there. Right. So it's like, yeah. what was your first impression of music? Like, I don't know, probably some uh, mobile that spun above my crib and made noise. Uh, I had a teddy bear <laughs> for years that played uh, lullaby when you wound it up. Um, that's a great first impression. Very calming. Yeah, that's probably my true first impression for music but um you know initially i was thinking of okay what was what was the first you know cassette i ever bought or the first album i ever bought okay yeah i can go with that well you don't i like actually that? have to change from what i was planning on doing because while we were on break i was thinking about the first impression and i was trying to think a little more outside of the box um than that you know and trying to apply it more because th this has been a high school discussion and you know our our identities through music 
once we started creating our identities. So like, you know, the first tape I ever bought was, uh, I think I've talked about this on the show before. It was a, uh, a queen single where it was a reissue of Bohemian Rhapsody tied with, uh, the show must go on, which was from their album innuendo that was coming out in the same time, you know, 1991, but it hit me when I was on our break, you know, when I was trying to think about high school and the first album that I bought that really defined a direction that I was moving in. And it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. That album that I couldn't remember earlier when I, when I bought, um, you know, offspring and green day and thought there was one other and I couldn't remember a fourth, but maybe, maybe I only named the two and I couldn't remember the third, but I remembered it. And you know what it was? Mm, no. Oh, hazard a guess. You did really well on the movies one. Uh, and this is one that actually mattered to you? Yes. You could say at the time that nothing else mattered. Was it Queen? No. It was Metallica's Black Album. Oh. I okay. bought it for myself. I was thinking Bohemian Rhapsody. I thought it was a dead giveaway with the nothing else matters. Yeah, should have been. Ty. Yeah. Because I remember go, buying those CDs and then shortly after that, going on a trip to Arizona to see family. And I listened to that, the Black Album so many fucking times on that trip. I had, a, I had a disc man with me and I listened to it on the plane, listened to it on the cars when we were driving to you know places we were going to go. And, and um, I remember going to a Western wear store and being pissed that I had to leave the disc man in the car. And that really was like my full entry into musical identity. You know, I really, rather than just, you know, knowing Enter Sandman and Sad But True from childhood, you know, really listening to all of those tunes on there. Um, of course, nothing else matters, but like Holier Than Thou and fucking Of Wolf and Man, like the, uh, those, even those, those tunes that didn't get any radio play, like that record meant so much to me at the time. And um, I was actually just watching like a, um, what's it called? It's like a kind of like a behind the music thing, but it's for a certain album. They did like they released them on DVD. I, I have the ones for like Queens and Night of the Opera and Rush's 2112 and Dark Side of the Moon. Um, but there was one for the Black Album that I was watching online and it was really super cool watching everything that went into there. And to his credit, even though we all sort of know him as like a whiny douche, Lars Ulrich actually has from what I can tell from that, a lot to do with decisions that were made in Metallica's music, like, like almost like producer level. Yeah. And I know he and James produced the, uh, the injustice for all record. And that's why there's no bass and it's all loud guitar and drums, but he actually, you know, judging by the stories they were all telling, like a lot of the decisions they made in inside the music. And then like what got, you know, like enter Sandman getting released as the single, because, uh, the producer, Bob Rock, wanted um, Holier Than Thou to be the single, but he pushed for Enter Sandman when nobody else saw it. That worked out. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so good, on, good on Lars for that. I, I still think he's a, uh, he's a whiny douche, and he sounds like a dum-dum when he's talking. Uh, and, and apparently but, he's a little petty because they totally, like you said, they cut all the bass out of Injustice for All pretty much entirely. Like, I went back at your behest and... Listen, like watched a YouTube video where like a guy added the bass lines back in and it's like, holy shit. 
I like I'd never really noticed it before. That's nuts. <laughs> it's really weird. It it puts a whole different spin on there. Yeah. But yeah, my my first impression was the black album when I actually bought it and soaked it all in and it still means a lot to me even though it's definitely not my favorite record of theirs. It is important. Yeah. I can dig that. Um see now I got to think of something quite as pithy. Uh <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> I, I I mean the first I remember the first cassette I bought was uh was Fresh Prince of Bel Air and DJ Jazzy Jeff the home base oh, album? Shit. <laughs> yeah, I, and uh, uh, oh, so you started as a rapper? I mean, I, I like much like you. Like, I bought it because it's like it's Fresh Prince. Like, this should be cool, right? Like, I I yeah. liked his TV show. Actually, he might not have even had a TV show then. But no, I remember. I mean, I would listen to the radio and be like, "This is what's popular." Okay, let me give. Let me listen to this. But I remember being excited because it had. Uh, had that song, You Saw My Blinker on it. And he says the word bitch in it. And I was like, ooh, I got a, I got a cassette where someone says bitch and my parents don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if only they knew about, about Green Jelly. You know, what was that, House of Teenage Rage? Oh, yeah, Snake. You don't want Snakey. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, as far as, for, as a album that's uh, similar to inexperienced to the, your experience boy i really bumbled (laughs) (laughs) that's a clunky couple of sentences (laughs) but as far as an album that was meaningful me to me in the way that yours was to you it would probably be lost exorcisto by white zombie i got that uh like seventh grade and uh same thing just listened to it over and over and over again and uh just loved the the weirdness of it and the, the weird, the samples that would come in every once in a while and the, the fucking bass lines and shit. Like it was just a solid album. And I, I had that thing memorized forward and backward. Was that their, their big album with more human than human and shit? No, it was the one before that with uh, like, okay. um, Thunder Kiss 65 and, um, fuck what else was on that album? It was really important to me. I can't remember anything on it right now. <laughs> I mean, any longtime listeners of the show know that your memory is not as uh, as clear as others. Although I, I feel like we haven't harped on you about it for a while. I feel like that was a big thing when we first started this show, that we, we brought up your horrible memory all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's gotten better. You don't remember? I don't remember that. <laughs> we have, we've done more than one episode. Um, <laughs> But no, I'm looking at the list now, and it doesn't surprise me. I can't remember the names because they're uh, they're kind of weird. They're not, like none of them were big hits, other than like maybe Black Sunshine and Thunder Kiss '65. See, Thunder Kiss '65 sounds familiar. Might have gotten some, um, might have gotten a little bit of radio play, but then um, you know the rest of them have names like Knuckle Duster, Thrust, One Big Crunch, Spider Baby. Um, <laughs> And I know all these songs, and I love all these songs, but uh, they, and it didn't get a lot of radio play until uh, the next album came out. Yeah, what was that one called? Because that was the only one I had. Um, I suppose I could look it up, but it's more fun to watch your face on, on Google Hangouts. <laughs> oh, but now you're looking it up, aren't you? Astro Creep 2000. I guess it's totally. Yep, got a bunch of weird-ass names, so they're <laughs> hard to remember because they're not the kind of things that... Uh, that relate to anything going on yeah in the song like like half the time the song name doesn't even occur in the song 
it's not in the hook. But uh, no, that album just I I loved that album, and it was like my intro into the heavier music. Yeah, fuck yeah. And uh, and Sean Yuzelt or whatever was was cute as fuck, the bassist. Oh, see, I remember I remember digging the bassist, but I don't know why. I feel like I just had it in my head, like subconsciously, that that it was Sherry Moon Zombie. Who who? But but it definitely wasn't. She wasn't in the band. Nope. She was just she all was on, over the, on uh, covers the album, and shit. album yeah. art. Yeah. And every movie he he's ever done. Yeah. No, she was she was a badass bassist, and uh, I definitely had a bit of a crush on her. Yeah. And what was the uh, what was the album after that that had the cover with the? It, it wasn't drawings. It was like the lady. It may have been Sherry Moon Zombie. That, I think uh, that was on one of Rob Zombie's solo albums because I, I think Astro Creep. After that, they broke up. Oh really? Yeah, they broke up in like 1996 or some shit. So like, I never. That's why I never got to see him live. Oh wow! I saw Rob Zombie like two or three times, but never got to see White Zombie. So this is an even more difficult thing, Ben, to nail down. Like, how do we figure our favorite use in pop culture in regards to music in our teenage years? Actually, when I say it like that, it seems a lot more clear. Because as we were as we were going through this stuff, like I, I was just wandering a little bit because I forgot what I had actually put for my favorite use in pop culture. And I found one that I think is more appropriate. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I was almost Fuck kind notes. of think, thinking of something along the same lines where like I have one that I was going to do that was like the, a piece of pop culture that uh, that was uh, emblematic of my high school music experience is what i had okay so why don't we use our old ones as runners up okay but then i had another one that uh yeah that that is a pop culture thing that uh reminds me heavily of something that happened a lot with music at that time all right take it away all right so my original one uh was uh was a film that uh debuted in 1996 that was uh that I absolutely loved the pants off of. And it, it is not a good film um, as far as like films go. It's never going to win any awards. In fact, it was supposed to be in movie theaters and uh, the MPAA said, no, no, we are not going to rate that at all. You, you can go away. We don't want to touch that <laughs> in the slightest. And uh, that was Skullhead Face by Guar. Yeah. And it is just like I I loved Guar. They were probably my favorite band in high school. Um, absolutely adored Guar. I uh, first heard them on like a Metal Blade sampler CD, and then went out and got their stuff. And uh, it, they were they were inappropriate and gross, and you know wore costumes and uh, sprayed the audience with blood. Yeah, yeah. And Skullhead Face is uh, it, it was the the film that accompanied the album This Toilet Earth. And basically, the premise of the movie is uh, Guar wants to escape Earth because uh, if you're not familiar with Guar, the uh, the mythos is that they uh, they were a like a, a fighting force that worked for this entity called the Master, um, and they were the scum dogs of the universe. They'd go around, you know, decimating planets and stuff. And I guess they got too unruly, and he sent them to Earth to conquer it. And uh, instead, it was a trap. And so they. Uh, they ruled Earth for a while and fucked monkeys and made people and uh, and then got <laughs> and then got trapped in the ice in Antarctica and they really would like to leave Earth so they're holding a telethon 
where they need to feed this thing called the world maggot uh, with human sacrifices. So they're, you, they're trying to you, get you to call in and pledge yourself as a sacrifice to feed the world maggot so that they can get the fuck off Earth. And uh, like a, a big corporate entity, Glomco, wants to like make a Saturday morning cartoon out of them and uh, and kind of like normalize and tame them. And they go in and kill all those guys. And then this creature called Skullhead Face is trying to like suck the creativity out of everybody in order to do something nefarious. And they go and kill him and fucking fuck him to death or some shit. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's basically a big excuse for them to make dick jokes and uh, rip fake faces off of people and um, and have a, a scene where a man fists a vagina-faced midget. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> yes. But it's just, it's it's a fucking shit show, and I absolutely love it. And I recommend everybody go out and uh, watch it with your kids. See, <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> I feel like I saw that one time with you, but I feel like I was under the influence of something. Well, that's a good state of mind to watch it in. Yeah. yeah. I imagine you did. I watched that movie probably 50 times when I was in high school. So, yeah. So that was your runner up. That was my or- original one. Yeah. Okay. Well, my, my original one was one that, that as we've talked more about uh, our experience and our development, I don't feel like it's fair anymore because mine was originally going to be, the 1980-something Weird Al classic UHF. Oh, yeah. Because that that was, you know, one of my earliest uh, musical influences. And the movie's great. And it involves all that music and, and so much of, like, the humor. That I mean, go back and listen to the Weird Al episode. You know, we, we gushed enough. Or did we? I don't know. But I'm not going to gush more right now. Could you ever gush enough about UHF? Is, is it similar to Skullhead Face, except much better movie? <laughs> You know, I, as as we were talking more, I I decided that that didn't that didn't really encapsulate the mood and the feeling that we're going for. I decided to go with a different movie for my favorite use in pop culture because uh, not because of the soundtrack itself being everything that I was into at the time, but more what it represented. You know, everybody's got like those those defining movies of their of that certain point in their life you know some people have dazed and confused some people have like fast times at ridgemont high but for me the movie for our age group was empire records hey that had guar in it it totally did (laughs) yeah you know that that movie had a group of teenagers and young adults and they were all just like trying to find their way. They all had very specific tastes in music that they all thought about. And it, it really defined them in, uh, in most cases, you know, there, there was just a lot of music involved in that. And a lot of people passionate about their music. And even those tunes that were made up, those Rex Manning tunes that like say no more, Mona more. I, I fucking love that tune. Like it's, it's terrible. And it did, it did exactly what it was supposed (laughs) to do to me at a young age, but it was so entertaining. Um, so that is my favorite use in pop culture as far as music defining your younger years, your formative years. Yeah. I like that. The one that I was going that I think fit better as the same way you were talking about is, uh, is a scene from a movie not necessarily the entire movie. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. That's interesting. I've never thought of that. But uh, from uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody scene from Wayne's World. 
Oh, no because, shit. Because, uh, man, a big part of high school once folks had cars was driving around town and just fucking blasting your fucking music as loud as you could, fucking playing drums on the steering wheel, fucking singing as loud as you could, and just, you know, you didn't care if anyone thought you looked stupid because you were a teenager. You looked stupid. <laughs> it's just a given yeah if somebody thinks you look stupid you moon them you're teenagers yeah, exactly but yeah just the you know the, the bohemian rhapsody scene in that was uh i i could identify with that so much in high school driving around and uh like a, i remember our buddy zach would uh you'd have to take the wheel occasionally because he he had like a little mini guitar that he'd fucking play while he drove <laughs> yeah, it was it was thanks to Zach and the panic that I first felt and then the relief afterwards realizing he had control. It, it was because of him that I learned to drive with my leg. Yeah. From seeing him do it. And I was like, oh, it, you totally can do it. Mm -hmm. So multitasking is not so difficult. It's probably not safe. Don't do it, kids. But I remember, you know, because I didn't even didn't even touch on this because I, I guess it, I don't know how much it mattered. But coming out of like the Depeche mode era of like sophomore and junior year, like senior year, especially I rediscovered queen and queen is by far my favorite band of all time. So I remember, you know, when I was getting my driver's license, that was like the whole point. I was like, man, everyone's fucking bumping their rap or their heavy metal or shit. Like I can't wait to drive through the school parking lot, blasting queen as loud as I can. Yeah. And I did, but it wasn't very loud because my truck's speakers sucked. <laughs> it had like two small speakers and neither of them were great. But, you know, it it did mean so much, you know, driving around. It, you have your, your first taste of freedom and you're also listening to whatever you want as loud as you want. And if somebody else hears it or sees it, you know, like they understand what you are in that moment. My first car was, was a, like an 89 Nissan pickup. And it had, it had good speakers and a CD player and shit, and that was cool. And then I got the 64 Valiant, and it had an AM radio. <laughs> and that was it. And, like, Annie's first car also just had an AM radio. And so um, for, a, for a while, like, the only jams we could listen to in the car, there was an, an oldies station out of, like, San Francisco that we would pick up. And that was the fucking car music, and I'd blast that, whatever. And it was, and fucking, I really liked that shit anyway. I remember getting yeah. like really stoked when like in the year 2525 would come on. We'd be like, yeah, it was <laughs> Zagger and Evans. <laughs> Fuck yeah. But, um, but I remember like building with an old PC chassis that I had an MP3 player. Cause I had a whole bunch of MP3s that I'd gotten from my dad's business partner. And so like, I built like a wooden box with a P with a, with a fucking PC in it with hard drives in my trunk, <laughs> like a power inverter so that I could listen to M MP3s in my car. Because, awesome. uh, like, you know, an, an, you know, an iPod was not a thing yet. And no. it, it never worked really good. And, like, if you went over bumps, it would, like, reboot the computer. And it never did what I wanted to. I eventually just went out and got a fucking, like, cheap aftermarket stereo and tore the AM one out and put that in. And then yeah, it was fucking golden. Yeah, I did there. the same thing in my first truck. Like, I had a cassette player that played everything slightly sped up. It was oh, weird no. when I'd listen to it on the, on the, on the CD at home. And then I was like, wait, it's in a different key. What's going on? <laughs> and yeah, I bought a CD player eventually. And then it got jacked out of my car along with all of my CDs. I had a great collection back then, but you know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, you connect emotionally with the music back then. Like there are certain songs that I, that I'll hear 
that I remember from like Queen's Miracle album where like I remember I was driving around heartbroken, you know, and listening to the to this cassette in the in the car just driving aimlessly and like some of those songs I don't want to listen to because I'm like, "Oh man, like I was really sad back then." And 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 I go right back to that moment. Oh man. I know. <laughs> and I'm right back there again. Um so I don't have a uh a best of list or a, or a ranking list. Want to just go to final thoughts? I think so. Okay. Do you have your one word review for this topic, Ben? I do. Uh, yeah. So when thinking about like music in high school, the one word I think that, that came most appropriately to mind was passion. Because this yeah. is a time when, you know, music was one of the most important things in my life. Like I, I listened to music all the time. I identified with the music. I, you know, built my identity around music. I displayed every bit of music I liked, you know, to the masses to make sure everyone knew that I liked Megadeth. And it's just, it it was really a huge part of my life. And it's kind of odd that it's not as much now. Like I still like music. I love music. I listen to music regularly. But it's not the kind of thing that uh, I feel the need to write about on my clothing. Like, I don't have any band stickers on my car. Yeah. You know, I, I've got a whole bunch of old concert shirts and stuff that I still wear. But uh, they're not like my go-to shirts. Like, they're shirts I wear around the house for the most part. Most of them are in really shit shape. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think the last the last concert shirt I bought was when I saw Queen and Paul Rogers, like, back in, like, 05. And I never wear that shirt. Yeah. And like, it almost seems weird for me at this age to wear a band shirt. Yeah. And so it's just, the passion is kind of gone. Like I still like music. I still enjoy it. But like, I find myself like listening to podcasts, which is what you should always listen to instead of music. At least this podcast. Brought to you by Geek Exploration, the podcast. But, uh, but yeah, I listen to podcasts or, um, you know, like when I'm driving to work in the morning, I'm usually listening to the news just to so I have some idea of what's going on. And then I listen to podcasts. Because you're a boring old fart. Most of the rest of the day. Uh, like sometimes when I'm working, like if I, if I can't pay enough attention to podcasts, I'll put music on instead. But I just don't find myself craving music as much. And it's also kind of odd how somewhere in your late 20s, your taste in music seems to solidify. Like when you're you know, when you're in, when you're in high school, you're always looking for new stuff and you're finding new things and getting into new things and changing and, you know, new stuff comes out and you're like, oh, cool, new stuff. And now it's like new stuff comes out and I'm like, ugh, new stuff. <laughs> you're like, why would I take a chance on that? Yeah. Why would I order something other than chicken parm at Olive Garden? I've got the thing I love. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you know, so this was a time when like you were still malleable and passionate about it. And now it's just kind of like, it's this, you know, it's a, it's an old marriage where, you know, you're kind of, you know, the romance is dead. <laughs> You're just kind of you know going a lot about through the motions, huh? you know? And, uh, and so, so it's, it's my relationship with music is not what it was then. E- even as far as like playing it, like I don't play music nearly as much as I used to either. And I kind of wish I did, but, uh, we can change that once this quarantine is over. Yeah. There was, there was a, a passion that, uh, that I don't have anymore that, um, defined, me at that point in my life you know i've got a different word but for a lot of the same reasons so i'm not gonna expound as much because i'd just be rehashing what you just said for me the word that made sense was significant 
because of all the the experiences that I've gone through in my life that made me who I am today. Like this is a huge, huge one, you know, especially having gone through those big changes in high school, going from the metal scene to like the, the prog rock mod scene, you know, eighties fucking electronic or like super sad music. And then getting into classic rock towards the end of high school. Like it was a very significant time where I got to experience a lot of different things and find out who I was along with that. And, you know, same thing, like I was talking about uh, with the, uh, with the certain songs that I remember from the cassette player, like so many of these songs have a, a memorial attachment to them. That, you know, all of these things that I was experiencing in life that weren't music have those songs attached to them. Yeah, it's, it's like the soundtrack of your maturation. Totally. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, it was a very significant time in my life, for better or worse. And maybe that's why it doesn't matter as much now, because it's like what, you know like all the cool things or not cool things, but formative <laughs> things that were going on in my life when I was listening to this music and passionate about it. Like it still holds that. And that's why I like listening to it now. Whereas like, if I, you know, some new song comes on, even if I like it, you know, what is it going to be? The soundtrack of me driving to work. That's not going to hold any emotional resonance. For yeah. Me in I 10 remember years. November 23rd when I was driving to, to CVS and I heard this song. <laughs> yeah, like, it meant the world to me. Uh, you know, but th- there's a lot of the, that music, especially like the Depeche Mode and Cure stuff and like later on like Radiohead that like the significant time now for listening to music is when I'm drawing because I feel like that's that's a time when I'm connecting more emotionally. So when I have those those ties that that I can grab onto it, it means more to me and like I can space out. Yeah. I can't I can't listen to Queen when I draw or like Led Zeppelin. Nope. Like Pink Floyd? Hell yeah, I can. Well, thank you very much folks for hanging out with us as we once again found our our passion through music. Um if you want to let us know how we did Drop us a line at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on the social medias, Facebook, Geeksploration the Podcast page, Instagram, Geeksploration Podcast, or Twitter, Geeksplore Pod. And if you enjoyed today's show, please uh, go on to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and give us a five-disc man review. Uh, we've, uh, we've got some uh, merch up still at shop.geeksploration.com podcast.com yep you sounded unsure about it but that i can confirm that is correct i'm pretty sure it's still there i haven't (laughs) haven't looked in a while but i don't think it's gone anywhere and uh our theme song is cruising for goblins by kevin mcleod of incompetech.com until next time i think we'll go with a little bohemian rhapsody gentlemen good call